0: Okay, well, welcome back, everybody, to another podcast for a heart-to-heart with adoptions from the heart. My name's Amanda Aliberti, and I'm a social worker at the agency. I'm really excited to welcome both Mary and Dominique, who are birth mothers who have placed their child for adoption and have been courageous enough to share their story with us today. So welcome, ladies. Hi. Hi. <laughs> for starters, can each of you just give a general introduction who you are, when you placed, and what your current relationship is like today with the adoptive family and the child you placed for adoption? So I'm going to have Dominique go first. Okay.
1: Um, so I placed, um, experienced my first unplanned pregnancy when I was 17, so had a three year old at the time when I placed when I was 21, my second unplanned pregnancy. Um, and then we started off in a super closed adoption and fully closed adoption, I should say, and then opened up a month later. And so now we're in a pretty open adop- adoption. And so now those kids um, in 2020 are seven, um, is the one that I'm parenting and will the my birth son will be four. This month in November. So,
0: that's awesome. So, the child you placed is four years old and the child you're parenting is seven. Yes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And what type of um, like communications do you have with the family? Do you guys visit? Do you uh, text message, phone calls,
1: send pictures? Um, yeah. So, we, um, the first year, um, it just looked really different. We were navigating what open adoption would look like for us right now. We're, me and his mom are really close friends, and so I can see him. Kind, of, I can see him whenever I want. We are both local to um, Dallas, and so, um, and so right now, we our updates look like um, two times a year is when I would see him. Um, And that I would get an update twice a year. So on the off months that I'm not seeing him, I would get that. So we still do those. So around this time of year in around his birthday, and then about six months um, from now next year, I'll see him again. Um, And I'll get an update in between that. But um, Right now, on, I think what we've always gone with is whatever season um, of life we're in. So anything outside of our, um, we are like, hey, we're committed to doing these visits and these updates, regardless of what season we're in. So if there's a death or we're struggling with something going on or anything like that, where we just um, need life to be slower, um, we're always promised each other that, and um, we can always rediscuss anytime. But anything else is extra. And so I babysit him sometimes. And so I'll babysit him on the 21st of this month for um, the longest period of time. I think I'll ever babysit him so far. And we just hang out whenever we can, we get to meet up and hang out. And it really just feels like a friendship, like Hey, are you busy today? We should get the kids together. Or, hey, are you busy today? We, sh- we should grab lunch without the kids. <laughs> so we just get to hang out. And so we just call each other if something big's going on or um, anything like that. So we just are friends.
0: That's great. That's wonderful. Thank you. How about for you, Mary?
2: Um, yeah. So um, I um, was the first time um, mom when. I was pregnant. Um, I was 38 when I got pregnant. So um, it was a um, extremely um, out of left field kind of life change for me. Um, So I placed my daughter Cora um, in July of 2017. Um, She lives in Virginia. So we're about like two and a half hours apart because I live in Delaware. and um, our relationship has been um, open from the start. So like, I knew when I was going through this process that like, I wanted to be completely as involved as like, you know, the parents were comfortable with, you know, I um, let them know, you know, pretty early on, like, I will take whatever you want to give me, however many pictures, visits, um, letters, you know, I just, I want to be as involved as I can, um, you know, at while at the same time respecting their boundaries. Um, so, like we've had a really, really solid relationship from the beginning. Um, I didn't have any support going through the entire process, and I was even at the hospital by myself. And they, um, you know, when it came time for her to come, she was early and. They like sped off the highway. They got here in like 45 minutes. Like I don't know if they had like a, a space shuttle or whatever they did, but they got to me ASAP because I needed them. And they were with me like holding my hand and they walked in the room and they had this like, I'm about to cry. They had this like beautiful bouquet of flowers and um. You know, so they were like the only besides Amanda. They were the only people in the hospital with me supporting me. Um, so our relationship has been like just really solid, just from the beginning. Um, we text all the time, pretty much almost like daily. Um, we do two visits a year. We do one at Christmas where they come up and we um, we go to Longwood Gardens. It's a place here that has like lights and stuff, and then. her birthday in July they always pay for me to take the train and go down and spend the entire weekend with them and the family so like I'm like really um they've been really like wonderful with like being open and having me like be a part of like their whole family like I've met all the grandparents and the cousins and the uncles and the you know the mother-in-laws and like, I've met them all, like, they're, they're always so, like, it makes, makes me a little nervous, because it's, like, I don't want to disappoint them, because um, they're, like, fancy people, and I'm not, so, um and they're always, like, I'm always afraid I'm going to, like, say something or act the way that's going to, like, embarrass them, but they're just, like, so proud to say, like, no, this is our birth mom, like, she's, you know, um, so, like, the, my relationship with them is probably the most important relationship in my life right now that I have, um, without a doubt, like it's not even close. Um, but I can say that we're kind of in a rough patch right now and it's making me really sad. Um, they, um, they just got a new baby and, um, and I'm like super excited. I'm super excited and happy for them, but, like, and I knew that that would change our relationship, but, like, I wasn't completely ready for it, so, um, I'm just kind of dealing with that now, like, it's not like we're in a bad place, we're just in a different place, like, the relationship is kind of evolving, and I'm having, like, a hard time, um, with that, but, um, but like they're wonderful people and they just like like you said like how you're friends with your people like i'm friends with my people like we talk about things other than the baby you know um and they support me in everything that i'm trying to do you know as far as like my life and they want me as an individual to be successful and they care about me as like a person so um I think that's why it's kind of difficult for me now that the relationship is starting to change because I really like I really value their support and um it means a lot to me so um I'm sorry I can't uh, like I'm sorry I can't believe like I'm crying already (laughs) you really if you
1: cry I'm gonna cry (laughs) (laughs) like totally it just brings me back like when you're talking about like the bouquet of flowers I'm just like Yes, like the moment that they walk into the room and you have a connection with that family, it's just, you just feel the love, you know? Like you are like, I'm loved, this baby's loved. Like, I don't know. Bringing me back to that moment, I'm like, I'm going to cry anytime you cry. <laughs> well, you get, your, get your tissue box ready. <laughs> I know, like, I need tissues. I'm going I I I to be the whole group. Yes, you said so many good things that I feel like are such good things should like just talk about but one of the things is like what you're talking about about that dynamic changing because of a new baby coming in and I think that we don't really realize like sometimes as birth moms how big of a change that that can that that can be and um then it happens and it's like there's nothing you can do about it it's just happening and you don't really have a say in it because you're not a part of their marriage but also it's happening to you too and so what does that like change look like for y'all like what is the change from like this is how it was and then this is how it is now if you want to share well
2: it's like like before like we before we used to like like I said text all the time and I could be like hey you feel like video chatting and she'd be like yeah give me like five minutes and you know we could just kind of you know the communication was more you know it was more frequent and it it felt like when we talked like we were having like you said like a real like kind of girlfriend this is you know my person. Let's connect. Let's spill some tea. How are you girl? What's going on? You know, that kind of thing. Um, and now with the new baby, like, you know, she just doesn't have kind of like the mental time to like spare anything extra. And like, I, I feel like such a terrible person. Cause I'm like, it's not about you girl. Like stop. Get yourself under control, but um, because like I, I am so so happy for them. Like, because number one, they're just amazing humans, and I want them to have all of the babies, and all of the puppies, and all of the stars that they want. I want unlimited happiness for these people. Um, and they tried so so hard, you know, and um, and then you know you know, my baby, my baby needs a sibling, you know? And she's so proud to be a big sister. Man, you can't tell her nothing, okay? Like, she's always like, um, don't look at Lola, don't talk to Lola, Lola's sleeping, you're too loud. Like, she's very, you know, on it. On her big sister duty, she's like on it. So, um, you know, um, and she's so like, gentle with her and you know she very much takes her you know responsibility serious um but it's like I just like I said I I wasn't ready for I wasn't ready for the distance that I feel even when we do speak it you know be I just you know you can tell when someone's like distracted and they're not quite with you like when we talk, that's how it, it is. And totally. I don't want to be a brat, but I feel it. So, um, I haven't been reacting well to it. Um, and I, I like, they know me so well that they can tell when I'm kind of in my feelings. So, and I think that's making them kind of pull back even more. So I, um, we got to get a handle on it. Cause this is kind of like the weirdest we've ever been in our relationship because we, I mean, when I tell you we were we have been solid since day one so yeah. um yeah uh yeah and but I know I know part of it is my own fault like because I don't have a good support system in my own life so like I put a lot of kind of weight on them that's not their fault you know what I mean like I just held tight to them because I don't have many people and so like you notice When someone is starting to back away so and that's not their fault
1: but yeah no that's so good and I think like it's like both it's like it's not about you and then it is about you because it's like the reality is is that your grief is like tied to them in a way that like usually grief isn't isn't usually like it's tied to the person that you're grieving but to like involve these other people there you're grieving somebody who's alive and they're that person's caretakers and so it's like a part of it is like it is about you but then again it's not so it's just such a hard like I remember my um sons my birth son's parents are not um they're trying to have a baby right now. Um, but And they have been for a few years. But when I first found out, I was like jealous and pissed. And when they started thinking about, they started talking to a woman who they potentially were gonna adopt her baby. So they're not with an agency or anything, but people reach out to them sometimes, like a couple of women have reached out to them and they're always willing. Um, to just do whatever that woman needs, you know, if we can help you parent, we want to help you parent. If we can help you, if you want a place, we'd love to, um, potentially be an option for that. If we've re, you know, exhausted all of our efforts for you to parent, but just, I'm, I'm just like, there's going to be another birth mom, like all of these things come up and I'm like, is she going to be better than me? Is she going to not like, but yeah, it's just like, Being a mom of one, you have so much more time than being a mom of two. And so whether they have biological children or they add through adoption, it's just like there's more people involved. And so less time naturally is going to be given to everybody in their lives. But it can feel so personal. Like, it's just like, this is like where we were. Like, you're my people. Like, why are you not? (laughs) And so...
2: I'm like overwhelmed that you can see me, like that you see that because like, I feel, like I said, I feel like a terrible person for even like feeling this way, but like, thank you
1: for like seeing,
2: like seeing it because it hurts.
1: Yeah, it totally hurts. And it's not, I'm trying not to cry for you I know that that's so hard and it's like, and that's why, I like encourage adoptive families and birth families to just know like it's so sweet because you're tied and it's so easy when you have really great people both bio families and adoptive families that are yet be- in this relationship you naturally fall in love with each other like you're bonded by this beautiful child that is such a gift to both of you and so it's like to um, not become each other's person is really hard like especially when you guys just get along and you can find this common interest in the child and um and so it just gets really it gets really hard to navigate when that happens and I I think I lean in towards like she's my person but she's always communicated like hey I cannot be your person so just like remember that like I need you to have your own support But, um, if that like, but even in that it's still hurtful because I'm like, but it's just so natural. Like if we did not, if I met you outside of adoption, we would be friends. Like you would be my mentor, you know? So it's just so hard to like separate the two. And it feels really personal, especially for me with the adoptive mom, like the adoptive father. I'm like, yeah, he's so great, but he's also a man. Like we don't have this. I'm not, like, texting him if my boyfriend breaks up with me or something. (laughs) So, you know, so he's really great. And we have a really great relationship. But he's also a man that is somebody else's husband. So (laughs) it's so different. (laughs) But um, that mom just becomes, you're, like, you're both that baby's mom. It's just so hard to explain. But you just, like, it's so easy to feel jealous and to feel, like, lonely and to feel like you're just losing like your best friend you know which is just as hard as a breakup you know like if somebody were to say they love you and and this is what your relationships look like for this amount of time and then that starts to change towards going backwards it's like oh yeah. it just hurts so I totally get that and you're not a bad person at all like it's totally valid to feel all of those things and it's normal it's not crazy and we have to like normalize those things for bio families because it's so easy for you for us to lean one of two ways us to be like i don't want to get hurt so i'm going to exit and i'm going to start ignoring them because this pain is too much or i'm gonna you know act out towards them and then it's going to make them feel like they're going to exit and so just being able to communicate that have those relationships where we can breed vulnerability and honesty and those and the relationship can be a safe place to be like hey to be honest I can tell you're distracted and because you have a new baby and that's so normal and valid but for whatever reason it feels really crazy to me and I didn't choose to feel this way but I feel jealous or I feel like I'm losing you and so then that places the space for them to be like you're not losing us, and to hear that, it's like, yeah, you're right, I know, sometimes you just need to, like, hear people say, like, I love you, I'm for you, like, nothing has changed, um, even though our time together looks different, so
2: you're just not
1: crazy, girl, you're not crazy.
2: Like, I mean, I've been, because, like I said, in the past, we've had, like, little things where, you know, it seemed that the relationship was kind of hitting a weird patch, but we've always, like, been able to kind of like talk through it and work through it because that's one thing that we've been really good with from the beginning is just like having like uncomfortable conversations you
1: know what
2: I mean and but like for whatever reason this time I think it's more me it's not I know it's more me um where I'm just I know that my like emotionally I'm like really part of it is a little bit irrational and, and that I, like I'm, I, I'm taking it a little bit, like you said, personally, like, you know, they don't love me anymore. Well, I, I know that's like not true, but like, because of like past kind of heartbreak and damage that I've lived through, that's like your first thought, well, everyone leaves or everyone, you know, eventually gets tired of me and they did or whatever. Yeah. So I've been considering, and now like having this talk with you, Now I'm definitely, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna write them a letter because I do so much better when I write it. And I just want them to just be like, so that they can hear me say like, I miss y'all. You know what I mean? Like I miss what we had. And, but it was also, I gotta acknowledge that it was unfair for me to put so much pressure or like so much weight on them kind of building me up like that's not their job like like your person told you like well you know we have to have boundaries I can't be your person you have to have like some love outside of this relationship and that's my fault I don't you know so they shouldn't have to kind of bear the brunt of the you know the the failures in my life and like you I don't know you just made me just I don't know it was like you the way you just described that
0: it
2: it made me like, see, like I'm being kind of unfair by just putting that kind of weight, so much weight on it. And it, you know what I mean? And taking it personally. So I
1: think it's okay that that you're going to get that wrong, right? Like it's, they're going to get it wrong sometimes. And you're going to get it wrong sometimes. And we just have to normalize like, Hey, I'm not going to be perfect, but I'll admit when I'm wrong. And so, and that they have probably some part to own in that, that they could probably own too of like, Hey, yeah. When you started acting out like that, we kind of pulled back instead of leaning into that and asking questions, which would have been a better response because when we lash out, especially women like us who, I don't know your story, but just basically based off of what you were just saying, like where we've never really experienced that unconditional love fully from other relationships and that people that their, our relationships with them and receiving love from them is dependent on how they feel or our responses to them. Um, regardless if I'm wrong or not, is just, it, it just creates this, this insecurity in us, which causes us to do those one of two things, like start acting out with, because we're, we're really just like, we can act out in this desire to just like in an unhealthy way, try, attempt to communicate. That's our way of communicating. Like, I'm not getting what I need from you anymore. And then the other side of that is just like being like exiting and being like, I'm out, peace. Like, no, not doing it, cutting you off, ghosting you, not talking about it. And then the job to family is like, what just happened, you know? And it's always just like, hey, simple conflict resolution it's like, it it can be so easy and it builds trust because I bet you'll go to them and I don't know them, but I hear that they're awesome from you. And so it's like, you'll probably go to them and they'll be like, we love you. What are you talking about? Like, girl, I'm just like tired, okay? Like that is it, okay? I'm just so exhausted. I'm so tired and I miss you so much that it's probably, you know, like even being a mom, like to a new baby you're just like some part of you sometimes like on a bad day can feel resentful towards that baby of like oh I really want to talk to Mary yeah but I have you you know and so it's like yeah you know it's like that's what she's used to too so she's like losing too while you're both also gaining you know and
2: it's also just like weird because of the COVID thing like we haven't physically, you know, we, cause originally we were seeing each other twice a year and then it was crazy. This year was going to be the first year we were going to add a third visit. We were going to add a third visit around mother's day. We were going to um, meet in the middle in Baltimore. And, um, but you know, everything with COVID happened. So like, I haven't, all of our visits got canceled, so it'll be almost a year um since I've actually physically seen them um yeah and I don't even know if they're even going to be able to like come up for Christmas so like this is the longest we've been physically apart since I've had
1: her which adds to that I'm sure Yeah.
2: yeah because it's like you know I you know I I look so forward to those visits and it's not just to see my daughter it's just to be around them and um, yes because yes
1: they just,
2: bring, they just bring so much good love and light and energy you know they just I feel like a good person when I'm with them mm-hmm. and um totally like I miss that you know I just I miss how I feel when I'm with them
0: yep yep How so many there was there was a, um, a clip in one of the videos I saw of you. I forget which one it was called. I was sent numerous videos that you were in. <laughs> yeah. The moment when you were in the hospital bed and you said that, I forget your exact words, but when the adoptive mom walked in the room, she just made you light up. Yeah. And I, I connected that with what Mary just said, which is why I found the two to be so similar because that feeling you get when that person is around it's not just about adoption or this baby but it's about what that family brings to you and 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 your your just your vibe and your personality and how you feel that day and that's really powerful
1: yeah it is it's like that family just because you you in in adoption like it's this, when you get really awesome adoptive families and you know that they're like authentic and honest and just like real, you can just feel it. Like it's just not fake, you know, and, um, and you can feel them get through some of your own insecurities around adoption as an adoptive family and some of your own um, hangups and things, and they're still not perfect in that, but you could tell that they've worked through a lot of that before we met. And you can't love a baby without loving where they come from. And so as much as they love him, they love me. And you could just feel that, you know? And it's just so, it just, like, I was saying, like, on my worst days, like, I was, I needed to see her. Like, I was like, you give me hope. Like, providing, like, bringing a child, like, on the days where I don't want to do this anymore and I want to give up, like, looking at you and seeing you and knowing that there's like this little hope of heaven at the end of this tunnel. And there's just like this bright light, you know, in this really dark space. I'm just like, I'm going to like try to run towards that, you know? And so it can feel like when our worlds are pretty dark as bio families, they're like that light. And we just want to like go, we just want it to not be dark for a little while, you know, we're just like, y'all are that space for us sometimes and and it's really sweet and awesome but it just like also is just really hard so it's like people think open is going to solve all of our problems and it's like it's not because it's like relational so it's just like relationships are hard so no matter how open you get it's just you just grow to love that person more which leaves more space to get hurt yeah ultimately but
0: Speaking of of dark places, um, I'm kind of backtracking for a second, but can each of you talk a little bit about how you felt when you were facing your unplanned pregnancy? Because I think that oftentimes that discussion like goes out the door and people have assumptions of how women should feel when they find out they're pregnant and the pressures associated with what we should do. So I'm curious if you can kind of touch on that of how you each felt when you found out you were pregnant. Go ahead, Mary.
2: Well, um, (laughs) um, so yeah, like I said, um, you know, I was 38 when I found out I was pregnant and, um, like initially I didn't even know I was pregnant. And then like, because I had like a, a really kind of, um, it's a catastrophic car accident, um, in 2008 where like my Mm. spine was crushed and like, so like I couldn't walk for like nine months and you know, like I had to go through like a lot of rehab and and things like that. And so like, I have like permanent injuries from that. Um, and so like that in itself combined with the fact that I was like up there in age, you know, was like, you know, I was told I, you know, couldn't have a baby and, um, having a baby was like never not on my radar ever. Like I, I knew very early on that like being a mom just wasn't for me. And you know, like not every woman has to be a mother. Not everybody not every woman should be a mother. I mean, like, let's just be real about that. Um, and so like I'm a wonderful auntie. Um, I'm a wonderful godmom. I'm a wonderful, you know. Birth mom. Take, yeah, like I'll take your kids out for the day and we'll eat ice cream for breakfast and we'll play or whatever. And then I'm bringing their butts home. Like I'm, I'm good at that. I will keep them safe. I'll keep them entertained, but you know, doing that 24 seven just wasn't for me. Um, so, um, when it happened, it was like the relationship I was in, wasn't anything that, um, was stable. Um, my living situation wasn't stable my mental situation wasn't stable like physically I have days where I can barely take care of my own self so like financially I was in you know the gutter like so there was like no feasible way that having a baby was gonna work um so like I went to Planned Parenthood and I was you know gonna go the other route until I walked in there and the lady was like um you know, you're 24 weeks. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. I'm like, wait, wait, what What are you saying? How many? Like, she's like, yeah, you're like six months pregnant now. And so I sat in my car in the Planned Parenthood parking lot and cried for like 30 minutes straight. And then I started to drive to the Delaware Memorial Bridge because I was going to jump off. Like I... I was, I, I mean, I'm, and that's like, not like a joke or whatever. Like I tend to be a little silly at times, but, um, I was, I was just, I was going to jump to the bridge and just, I, I was done with it. um, and so like, as I'm like driving, I, you know, Planned Parenthood gave me like, you know, all this paperwork and stuff and like tucked in there was this pamphlet for adoptions from the heart. And I said, well, either I'm going to go to the bridge or I'm going to call these people. And um, I called and Amanda called me right back. And she was like, please come in ASAP. Come in tomorrow. I, you know, I, you know, come in, we'll talk, whatever. Um, And I went in, you know, and that, and that first night, just the realization that like, this is real, you know, like this is like, Um, it just, it was like a bomb had like blew up on my head. Um, And uh, I went and I met with Amanda. And when I walked in there, like I was a broken, defeated person. And um, like, I just walked in there and, uh, you know, this is one thing, like, I always talk about, like when I do these, when I do the classes or the podcast or whatever, I just, I will be forever grateful for Amanda for she just like she didn't judge me like I walked in there and I just like instantly felt like 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 it was going to be okay like no matter what kind of conclusion we came to like there's not going to be anybody jumping off the bridge today we're (laughs) going to figure this thing out and like you're not a bad person you know no one's here to judge you we're not trying to you know we just we want to do what's best for you and your baby and like I never felt like pressured I never felt judged I, ne- I just I felt like like I felt like I knew her my whole life and I felt like she saw me and she could see that like I needed help and uh and so like, we just like kind of went from there, you know, cause like I, I told my family and they were just like, nope, we're not going to support that at all. And they they didn't speak to me. Um, I told her dad, um, you know, and he was like, I'm out and he dipped. And so like, I'm just kind of sitting there like, so at that point, all I had was Amanda.
1: I went to, I actually couldn't afford a pregnancy test. So I went to an abortion clinic and, um, I, the same thing. I sat in the car. I literally, I told the girl, it's just so somber in there. And it just, Mm -hmm. everybody just kind of keeps their head down and like, is really quiet. Like, even if you're like looking at a magazine or something, like, it's just very like, don't make noise. And nobody like makes eye contact. You could just feel like everybody's in the room feels like this shame. Yeah. And so that's where I went because they, the abortion clinic, I one, wanted to have an abortion. So I wanted information on that. And two, um, cause this was my second child and I was like, absolutely not. Will I do this again? Um, I was like, you Mary, just never wanted to have kids. Like I just was like, it's just not for me. <laughs> And then the Lord was like, yes, it is. Cause I got pregnant yeah, and twice. And so, um, but I, yeah, I went into the clinic and I, they just test you for free. Um, cause I couldn't afford a pregnancy test at the time. And then, um, they call you up to like the window with, I mean, in front of everybody. And she was like, your test came back positive. And I literally just looked at her and I just started crying. And I just was like, I'm going to kill myself. Like, I don't want to do this. And, um, I left and struggled with depression and everything. So was diagnosed with depression when I was in high school, um, from an attempted suicide and just was like, just was like, I'm like, I mean, they're going to do this or I'm not, you know, but I just was like, I'm not like, I just, I'm not like I I'm I've tried before and like this for sure it was for sure wasn't for me but I am just like I don't know what to do like I just cried for 30 minutes and just sat there and my son was three at the time or he just turned three actually like um like 30 days before and so he's just in the back seat and I just was like who do I tell what do I do and so um I called a friend and then I told his birth father um, or I told who I thought was his birth father at the time Um, and I didn't have like a terrible living situation and everything like I was um, working full time not having to pay any bills and was living with my older brother who now him and his wife live in Virginia Um, and so they um, moved to Dallas to help us. He's older than me. He's in his um, like later thirties, and so he was always told us like he's gonna try to help us navigate life because he wasn't set up that way, and we weren't either. So he moved down to Texas to let us go to school and everything, and so we were living there with him and his wife Brigida. And yeah, it was just um, so I didn't have a terrible at home situation at the time, um, but I but I didn't love being a mom at the time like I actually hated being a mom and I like I was drinking I was partying I was smoking I was taking pills I wasn't like going to raves I was just doing everything I could to not feel um or actually to feel anything um and so it wasn't a good season for me to just bring a child into the world like I was like failing my college classes and just using that as an excuse to not parent and just partying and working at Twin Peaks is what we call it. I don't know if y'all have those there, but, um, so yeah, it was just like a hard season and finding out I was pregnant was just, I just felt shame. Like, are people going to think that I'm stupid for getting pregnant again? And, um, people know that I'm not in a place to parent again. And like, it's just not fun. You know, like you just, there's, there can just be a lot of shame because of like the world, like the pressures of the world, like you're not in this perfect place to have kids. And so, and people just automatically judge every decision you do. Like if you want to place your child for adoption, if you get pregnant, face an unplanned pregnancy, if you um, don't want to have kids. Like there's judgment for everything. Yeah. And so it's just, there was just a lot of shame. So I hid my pregnancy for a while for my family as long as I could. Um, at least I thought I was hiding it from my brother and his wife, but she, always, she we've talked about it since and she's like, I wasn't stupid. Like um, I knew you weren't drinking anymore and like, you know, you weren't going out, but you were still like throwing up. So You weren't sick, you know. You didn't have the flu for three months, so I'm like, yeah, true, true, true. I thought that I could hide it. I'm also only 94 pounds, and so like big shirts don't work. (laughs) You just see it in me, so it's just it's clear Um, after like a few weeks that I'm like gaining weight. So, yeah, it was just really hard. But I think people do have a really big, a really bad stigma on like women facing unplanned pregnancies you know so
0: how do you think the world perceives birth parents specifically birth mothers how do you think the world currently like looks at birth mothers
1: I think the way that Hollywood portrays them to be which are like drug addicts don't want our babies um don't care about the safety of them because we drop them off at firehouses in the middle of the cold weather or leave them in dumpsters. Um, And so I think think that that's how Hollywood portrays us. And so if you're not a part of the adoption community, then you wouldn't really know like how actually killer freaking cool we are. (laughs) You know, so I think like we're pretty awesome. And for, I think how they should view it versus how they don't is like I think one it, there's a skewed view of foster care and all of those things, and so we have to be, we have to like fight for the education to separate the two. Um, and not that those biological families or those birth parents are any you know like we're we're all coming from really broken situations and backgrounds um, and so. But we, the situations are absolutely very different. And so birth parents are like, I mean, some of them really are kind of crazy, but that's like with any people group, like there's crazy white people, there's crazy black people, there's crazy Asians, there's crazy women, there's crazy men, there's crazy everything. Like we're all just crazy, you know, like there's a crazy people group for anything you want to like. Put people in a box for it um and so i think like they view us as like these like worthless like can't believe you would do that bad mothers and it's like hey we are some of the strongest people emotionally to have the emotional even in like you were talking about like the state of mind like your mental wasn't in a good place but because you love your child so much regardless of mental state addiction desires, like like anything, like homelessness, prostitution, like anything, or women just in college who just, this isn't for them. Like they literally are like, can acknowledge this is my situation. It's not going to work to provide me a good space to be a parent. I'm going to place my child for adoption. The amount of like emotional intelligence and self-awareness that it takes To to do that, even if you don't realize that you're being self-aware in the moment, you know, is really, and that's outside of like women who are coerced and all that. So I want to acknowledge that that is a thing, Mm -hmm. but, um, women who are not and have similar stories to me, Mary, then it's just like, it's so ridiculous how people, the amount of strength that it takes, like, and and selflessness a a really healthy balance of selflessness and selfishness because a lot of people say oh you're so brave and you're so selfish and then like there's like these really extreme spectrums of like you're so brave and you're so awesome and you're so good and there's this other side of like you're a terrible human like how could you ever give your baby away and it's like there's like this middle portion of like balanced between the both of like selfishness and self-awareness of like I don't want to be a parent admitting that out loud, or, you know, I want to finish school and I won't be able to, or this is, if I bring a child into my current situation, my needs aren't going to be met anymore to some certain extent. And then also that selflessness of like, but also your needs won't be met. And this is going to cause us both a whole bunch of pain, but as a parent, I have to make the best decision for the both of us. So and for me, I was factoring in my other child too. So like, if I bring another child into this home, what am I taking away from him? So right now you get, you know, to go, we get to go out to eat every week and it's like once a week or we get to go to the zoo for your birthday. But it's like, if I have to buy diapers and formula and I have to pay for daycare for two of you, you're not getting any of that like we're actually gonna barely scrape by at that point. So um, you're not gonna not only get that, not the extra, but you're also your essentials won't actually always be met most likely. And so I think that that is just like, it takes a lot to like be able to process through that. And there are so many women who cannot, who are like, absolutely not like, I'm okay with bringing my child into a bad situation. And, like, that's a choice that they make, but it's, like, there is this amount of selflessness and selfishness, I would say, that goes into making that decision, so.
0: Totally. What about you, Mary?
2: I think you made um, a very excellent point when you said, like, um, being self-aware. Like, a lot of people like to say it's, like, selfish, like, oh, well, you you just threw your baby away. Like, like that's what... My brother says to me all the time oh you just threw your baby away and i'm like i I don't remember tossing her into a dumpster like i didn't throw her away i gave her an opportunity to have an amazing life like it had you know like for you to even for for you to simplify it down to that that ugliness is not fair
1: Mm -hmm. um well it shows shows how small they are like exactly. it shows your lack of self awareness and ability to be self aware
2: exactly and it's like um you know it's like what these will be the same people that let's say that there is a girl who throws her baby in a dumpster because she doesn't want it because she was forced into having this baby they'll be the same people that will be like oh well she needs a death penalty and all all you know they'll be so outraged but like, like women, and that's part of like where we are now. Like as, um, kind of like where we are as women, we don't we don't get choices. Like we have the illusion of choices, but in reality, the the consequences that come with those choices is so unbalanced and is so unfair. You almost feel like you don't have any, because I made the choice I made which was going to be best for me and my daughter but I also sacrificed my relationships with people that I thought loved me so is that really a choice no it isn't you know what I mean so it's like there's the illusion of choice but you really don't have one and like you said like the the stereotype of someone who gives their baby away is oh well she's a drug addict or she she's selfish all she wants to do is party she don't want the responsibility. Like you have no idea, like these people that say that have no idea the mental anguish and that you go through when you ultimately have to make the decision to say, I'm not what's best for my own child. Like I'm not good for my own kid to 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 That is a hole that can never be filled with nothing there's nothing that can fill or repair that hole and it only gets worse when you have people that say things like that oh well you just you took the easy way out let me tell you there was nothing this is something this is a this is a pain that we will feel every single day for the rest of our lives there's nothing easy about that and i think you made just a great point about the way you know for for all these years the stereotype of of what a birth mom is a birth mom is a junkie a birth mom is a hoe A birth mom is is all these irresponsible things and like that's the reason why like anytime amanda asked me to like speak and share my story or like i want to do that because i want to put like a new face to to us as women i want to show like you have no idea what what war like we are warriors we get up every single day and have to face that that choice and and you know that that's not for the weak you know that you um and that's why I'm always so willing to just speak because part of it is just flat out ignorance and people don't take the time to get educated they just speak on it and that's like a new thing now, like speaking you have no idea what you're even talking about. Yeah. And so, you know what I mean? So like, that's why I just want to like, my mom, my mom was adopted and this was back like in the fifties and she had a terrible experience with her adoption. Like, and she never got over it and it affected her whole life. Like she always felt she always felt like she was thrown away because like back in those days, it was basically like, it was a basket with a baby in it and we're out. Um, And so like it affected her, her whole life and she was like an alcoholic and, and she had a very, very sad life and she died in a very tragic way. And you know, she never got over it. And so when I told her what I was doing, like she took that, like, you know what happened to me? How could you do that? And I'm like, mom, you're not listening. Let me try to educate you. Let me try to show you that it won't be that way. And she was just so closed off from it. Um, You know, we never, she was killed in a fire three days before Christmas. And we never reconciled on that. Um, And so, like I said, any chance I get to um, just be a cheerleader and be an educator Mm -hmm. about how beautiful this process is uh, you know I'm always willing to do that because we we are portrayed in such an ugly ugly way and it's not fair
1: yeah and it's like I think that also the past of like the history around adoption like Hollywood plays feeds into what the what our hit what the history around it was and um and that's just from like evil people just like doing it because they don't wanna get educated. They're fearful of vulnerability and honesty. And so it's just like hide, hide, hide was so much of the generations past. And so it's like, you see so much of that being opened up now because of, you know, and that's what like exactly your mom, you know, like adoptees, like, Regardless of like how open it is, they're just going to have so much trauma, and and it, there's just trauma there, period, and and so that that you know is different for every adoptee, and what that looks out it looks like, and how that plays out. Um, but it's just like that's we don't know what happened, we don't know her birth mom's story, and so it's just sad that. There was a birth mom out there who, oh, maybe, do you know her
2: I mean, we, like, we found out some things, like, we found out some things about her birth mom. Like, my mom found out that she, that she had, like, eight other siblings. Like, that her birth mom was kind of, like, you know, the, the town kind of, you know, drunk. The town kind of, you know, she was, like, I don't know, you know, back in those days, like, she was just not really she she wasn't interested in being a mom things like that but like my mom found out that she had like eight other siblings um and, the, and what was crazy was like they all kind of live like within like a five mile radius Whoa. Yeah. and so it was like a really messy it was like really messy and you know like I said she never you know she never got over it and I and I always had a hard time understanding why because my Nani and Papa, you know her her adoptive parents were like angels they were like the best people ever and I'm like mom you had such a good life though like what and it took me a long time to understand that like it doesn't doesn't matter how good of a life she had she still had that feeling that she was thrown away
1: yeah abandonment for sure
2: and it never like it and like, I feel so bad that she's not here now that I can't tell her like, mom, I get it now. And I'm sorry, you know what I mean? Like she struggled with that her whole life. And my, my biggest thing was, but look at how much better your life was. Well, totally. that, doesn't, that doesn't change. Yeah. That doesn't change that she was abandoned. She was gone away. That was her, you know, that's her truth. So
1: um, yeah, yeah, so hard it's so hard to, because it's like, that is going to be the truth for some of them. And, and some of them it's not. And it's just so, it's just so like messed up because of like sin. And it just, it's just so sad that there's just, and, and it, I always look at adoptees as a part of the triad as, um, like even as adults, like they're the children in the situation. And so it's just like my son Easton, like I, there's choices that I, decisions that I make. Sometimes they're good for him and sometimes they're not so good, but I have to make a decision. And, um, and some of those decisions, even when they're the best decision for him, even though they still suck for him in some ways, he'll never understand. Um, and I, he'll never understand why I made those decisions, you know, um, like placing his brother for adoption, you know, he'll never understand. And, and it's like the hope is like one day that he becomes a parent and he can, um, you know, somewhat understand that. But, and I just always look at the adoptees as the children and they are the children in the tribe, but even as adults, that it's just like their decisions for so long, that I just like never understood for my mom. Like I never understood how she couldn't get over her alcoholism. Like I was like I could do it. Like you know, I gave up drugs and alcohol for like I don't understand, you know, and it's just like being older and having children and even overcoming those things, it's like I get it, mom. Like I'm I'm so sorry, you know. And so and so for adoptees, I just think it's so hard, you know this is what happened to them. They're like the only ones in the triad who just didn't have a choice. Like they don't get to choose
0: exactly. to be
1: in the triad or not to be in the triad. And it's just so hard for them and everybody. It's so invalidating when people are like, for them, I'm sure it's so invalidating when people are like, but they had money. Yeah. But you went to a good school and you like had food and they're like, but I longed for my mother, you know, like I've heard adoptees say, like, I'd rather be with my mom who was like a drug addict than have like a big house and like have all the nice things. Like I'd give it all away to just be with my birth mom. And so it's just wild, you know, cause you're like, let me tell you what you don't want to (laughs) do, but it's like, no, like I, I can't, we can't fathom what that's like to feel that abandonment and those identity issues and no amount of love, it's just like, it's just not meant to be, you know? Like no part of adoption is like meant to be. Like there's just should not, we should never have to have experienced this much brokenness to the point of other people who are not biologically their parents, like raising children like that just, it's, it's weird and chaotic and sad and tragic in so many ways because it's just not supposed to happen but it's so redemptive and so good because God's good. Yeah. So.
0: Well, and everybody, everybody has their own truth. Like we have to let everybody have their own feelings. And What I'm getting from both of you is this idea of not casting judgment on other people because you may feel some type of way, but somebody may be in the same shoes as you and feel a different type of way. And that's okay. You know, we don't have to have preconceived notions of how you're supposed to feel based off of every decision. You know, yeah. That's so great. As we're kind of wrapping up here, um, November is National Adoption Month, as everyone probably knows. Um, I'm curious if you could leave us with a final note of what you would want the world to know about adoption that you think people still are not aware of. Whether it's your experience as a birth parent, the idea of open adoption, anything you want, just something that you would want people to know. Mm, that's good.
2: Um, I mean, I, I think I just, I kind of just say it all the time, but like, I just, I want people to know that like, we haven't thrown our children away. Like we haven't thrown them away. We don't not love them. Um, this wasn't easy. And, um, it took me a long time to, when people, when people say, you know, when there are the positive people that say, you know, Mary, we're so proud of you. You, you've given this couple such a great gift. It took me a long time to like reconcile that, those, that, like, um, because like, I felt so terrible about myself that I didn't, me a long time to be able to embrace um just how beautiful and like pure this love and relationship is um and like it is a gift it was a gift for them and it was a gift for me um and so like i just want people to know that like there's nothing easy about this and we think about our children every minute of every day. And um, I I still like three years later, I'm like, I have my moments where I'm like, maybe I could have done it, you know? Like maybe I, you know, if I would have just whatever, whatever, you know? And I don't, and that's not me regretting my decision. That's just me kind of beating up on myself in those like weaker moments because it is a constant everyday grieving process. It's, it's a grieving process that goes on every day and it will never end. Um, and I just, you know, I just want people to know that like birth moms are awesome people. We're smart people. We are loving people and, um, you know, we matter, like we matter too. And like, it's okay to like, um, it's okay to like ask us things. Like if you don't know, if you're unsure of like something about how the process works, I would much rather you like ask me a question than just like make assumptions about what, what this is. Um, so like, that's kind of just what I, all I would say is like, we didn't throw our kids away and this was by no means easy
1: at all. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, that's so good, Mary. It's like grief isn't linear, you know? It just right. changes, it doesn't ask permission when it comes or when it goes and it just just continues, you know? It's like, and it's um, always like, there, you know what I mean? Like grief, it's
2: always kind of just out there floating in the atmosphere and you never know like when it's gonna crash into
1: you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always, there's this like good example, um, that Ashley Mitchell, who's a birth mom, like uses, but it's that like our grief is like the same size. Um, And right after placement, it's like, we're only we're just as big as our grief. And so it consumes us. And like, as we grow, um, and like form and other things happen in our lives and other, you know, we gain other like grief circles and things and just like, we grow and we get bigger around our grief. And so, but our grief doesn't ever go away. It doesn't ever get smaller. Um, it just can, ha- it can come up less often and it does, no longer consumes everything, our whole entire world. But it definitely doesn't ask permission when it decides to hit. But I think like I would I would want people um, to just know that even if you're not a part of the adoption community, that education is valuable, important for the kids that are involved. Like when you're asking questions to adopt families in the grocery store and how and when it's appropriate to do that. Um, and that everybody's exactly what Amanda said that everybody's story is so different. And so just blanket statements, like they're just non-existent. Like they just, they shouldn't exist That to, to say that all adoptees are one way or all birth moms are one way or all adoptive families are one way. It's just not true because we are just all coming from different backgrounds and seasons and traumas and things that brought us to these relationships. But if there's no one, all one fit, one size fits all blanket statement that we can slap on adoption. And, um, that just leads into the fact that, um, that I, I want people to, to understand this about all things in the world, including race, adoption, everything, but that grief and sadness and brokenness um, and trauma coexist with joy and happiness and redemption. Um, and that we don't have to choose one or the other, that we can live in the midst of both. And by sharing one, more often or less than the other, doesn't um, completely like move. It doesn't completely delete the fact that the other side doesn't exist. And so even in adoption is hard and it sucks. And, but just because I share a really great photo of like the redemption in our story and just how awesome this week has been or this day has been with my birth son, doesn't mean that I'm saying that Um, I'm it doesn't mean that I'm celebrating the loss or the trauma that he'll experience I'm just celebrating what today is like I'm just celebrating that even in the trauma that he will experience and that he has experienced and the sadness that I've gone through and the loss that our family has had to endure and the brokenness that there's like I can still celebrate the good things in that so I think we get really lost and mixed in the middle when we try to take one side or the other like because there's trauma it can, adoption cannot be a good thing and it's like that's just not true Totally, simply
0: amazing ladies yeah. <laughs> you know i've been doing this over eight years and people ask me all the time what are birth mothers like like tell me tell me what you do every day and so many years later, I am still just so inspired because it's really hard to be a woman. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to navigate life today. There's so many challenges in so many ways um, and so many layers to try to figure out who we are as women and trying to compete with all the expectations and the pressures that are put on us. And hearing the both of you kind of come full circle with your experience of placing a child for adoption just shows like the dedication and the resilience that you have. And it's just, it's really great to listen to. Um, And my hope is that people can hear your stories, not just the good, but the bad as well, because this is not all sunshine and rainbows. And while there's really amazing pieces to adoption, there's also a lot of loss and a lot of sadness that continues on. Um, but I am proud to know both of you, and I'm just truly, truly so grateful that you're both open to sharing your story. The idea behind of connecting the two of you is that you both come from maybe different geographic locations and maybe different backgrounds, but you have so much in common. And the fact that you were strong enough to not only place your child for adoption, but to continue to fight through the grief that you experience on an everyday basis, um, is phenomenal. So thank you both. We're, we're happy and excited that people get to hear your stories and continue to advocate uh, for adoption, for your, your story, who you are. And um, we're just, we're happy to know you. So thank you. Thank you.